Welcome, friends. You are listening to the Mind Body Alchemy podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Miramontes. This is where intuition meets education in the realms of spirituality, fitness, mindset, and more, all to create lasting change. I've been thinking a lot about one of the common issues that I've been hearing a lot in the group coaching programs, in my one-on-one coaching calls, and even in my Instagram messages, where people are talking about not feeling in control around food. They have this idea or this feeling that they just can't stop eating once they start. So that is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to give you some solutions to help you overcome that If you're feeling out of control around food, if you feel powerless when you start eating things that you associate with pleasure or comfort, this is definitely your episode. Now, I just want to remind you that coming up pretty soon, September 26th, we're going to be doing a workshop where we're talking about the three pillars of successful weight loss. That is Leslie Hooper, Laura Calari, and myself. We're all going to hang out together for an afternoon and you're going to walk away with some great tools. So if that is interesting to you, head to the link in the show notes and make sure that you register. But for now, let's talk about feeling out of control around food and food having power over you and the sentence, I just can't stop once I start. If you ever had the thought, I just can't stop eating, especially as it relates to certain foods like chips and chocolate and french fries and ice cream, then I really want you to think about whether or not this is true. Can you really not stop? Check in with your body. How does it feel when you are experiencing that, maybe that pull to not allow you to stop eating these foods? And then I want you to just ask yourself, am I okay with my answer? Am I ready to double down on these foods have power over me, they're addictive, things like that, and I have no control around them, therefore I shouldn't buy them, I shouldn't keep them in the house? Or are you open to thinking about this in a different way? Because the goal of having a healthy relationship with food is not to get to a place where you learn how to never want these foods again. That is what a lot of people think it is, and that's what a lot of people want it to be. They don't want to desire these foods. They don't want to like these foods. They want them to become boring and not interesting. But that is not the case. Food tastes good. The desire is not going to disappear for them. So the goal is to figure out how to eat in a way that feels good to you before, during, and after you finished your meal and that meets your needs for nutrition, energy, and pleasure, and you aren't thinking about food all day, every day, or dieting every day, all day, or you're not thinking about what you weigh all day, and you're in a body that feels like home. That's what we're going for here. Feel free to set your own goals. That's what I hear all the time when I talk to clients and I've collected enough information and data to know that most people just want to feel at peace in their bodies because of how it allows them to feel. And they don't want to have to be obsessing about every bite that they take forever because they don't feel normal. So when you think about foods that you feel have this magical power over you, I want you to notice if you're thinking about them, how you're thinking about them, how you're talking about them. And we do this with things like chocolate. If you've ever had a piece of chocolate and that triggers the response in you and you notice that you've now started eating and 
this response is saying it tastes too good and you just can't stop. But is that the full story? I want you to think about if there was this amazing, rare, gorgeous piece of chocolate and you're with a group of friends. And I say friends, not just like random people, but friends, people you really like, people you enjoy being around. And this bar of chocolate has exactly enough for each and every one of you and your friends to have two squares. You get your two squares. Everybody else gets their two squares. How are you feeling in that moment? Because I bet that in that moment, you're enjoying your time. You're excited to try it. And you're so happy that everyone else gets to try it too. You already have a limit in your mind that two squares belongs to you and everyone else gets their share as well. You might still desire to eat more, but the desire to eat more doesn't have the same energy behind it as you eating chocolate out of the candy drawer in your kitchen or your pantry. The only thing that desire drives for you is maybe a question about, I wonder if I could find this online somewhere, or I wonder if I go and visit wherever this is made, if I'll be able to have it again. It doesn't make you want to rip it out of someone else's hand and say, fuck you. You don't get any. I need extra. I'm entitled to your share too. Now, if you have a different version of that story, feel free to shoot me a message and let's chat about it. But most of you are going to feel more than happy to share the experience with someone else. So you actually can Stop eating when you're thinking differently than when you are at home. When you're at home or you're in a restaurant and there's abundance of this food in front of you, then you're thinking the thought, I just can't stop. It's too good. But I want to suggest that you always stop eating eventually. You always stop at some point. Whether that stopping point is you being miserably full and the food is all gone, or you stop because you have something else to do, you have a different point for stopping, whatever the signal is, you always stop eventually. So when you're learning to become someone who eats to a point where her body feels good and not stuffed, satiated, not overly full, I want you to notice the differences in how you're thinking and talking about your eating behaviors when you're alone, when you're at home, when you're in a restaurant, And when you're eating with friends, when you're eating with your mother, all of these different circumstances influence how you're thinking about food and how you're interacting with it. And when there's a limited supply and you know that in advance versus when there's an abundant supply, there's probably a different thought process there as well. Notice that you think differently in each of these circumstances and scenarios and notice that how you're thinking about these things impacts the way that you're eating them and how much of them you decide to eat. This means the food itself has no magical power. I know there's such a thing as hyperpalatable foods, and we hear these horror stories about how the food industry puts these chemicals in food and makes us addicted, and all the things. And while it's true that a food chemist's job is to make foods taste good and create a desire to keep on eating, these folks don't have any magical power over you. I imagine you know someone in your life, and if you don't, you'll have to take my word for it, that can have a bite of a cookie and walk away. They can have a couple chips and just stop. And they might say, I don't really feel like having dessert today, but it looks really good. It would have the same magical powers over children that perhaps were eating an ice cream cone and then they just wouldn't be able to drop it in the middle of the park and run across to go and hang out on the swing set or find their friend because they were tired of their ice cream. And yet that happens all the time. The reality is food does taste good. 
It's supposed to. It's a pleasurable experience. And that is a good thing. It does not make you a victim who cannot stop eating once you've noticed that your body has communicated to you that you've had enough. The most common reasons you feel trapped by food is one, you keep thinking the thought, I just can't stop once I start. It's too good. Something comes over me. Sugar is addicting. I can't buy it and keep it in the house. It's just too hard. And two, you've created a connection in your psyche that when you feel a certain kind of way, like anxious, stressed, depressed, overwhelmed, then you eat certain kinds of foods. Most people don't gravitate toward raw broccoli when they're feeling stressed. They gravitate toward richer and more pleasurable food because they're seeking a new experience than the one they're currently having. You're seeking a distraction, seeking comfort. So you have a perceived expectation that these foods are addictive and control you because of how you're feeling when you're eating them. When your emotions are heightened and you choose these foods, you gravitate toward them, and then you struggle to stop eating them because it actually doesn't give you the relief that you truly want, but it does do something. So you keep on eating and eating because you're seeking to feel that relief. If you don't find it in the first bite, you might find it in the second or the third or the fourth, and you just keep searching for that relief that you believe is on the other side. And when I say you believe, I don't mean you're sitting there looking at the food saying, you're supposed to make me happy. Although some of you do have that awareness and that's amazing, but most just keep eating and wondering why they keep doing it, even though they're starting to feel gross and full and they actually don't find the food all that appealing anymore. It's not because of the food that has these monstrous addictive qualities, but rather it's because they have this connection that they're seeking a feeling that they subconsciously believe the food is supposed to give them. When you've built the neural pathway that says, when I feel like shit, then I eat these foods in excess, then the food must be the reason for the excess. And then you try to eat these foods in a controlled setting, in an emotionally neutral state. And because you've already made that connection with this food, your story keeps you going back for more. This is not simply a mind over matter issue, and I don't want you to think that it is. Instead, this is an intentional rewiring of your neural pathways that are associated with emotional experiences and overeating. I know that's kind of a word salad. If you've been hanging out on my podcast for a while, you're probably understanding what I mean. If not, bear with me, stay with me, listen to a few more episodes because this language can be a little bit different than your average calorie counting advice. If the food really had power and control over you and it was truly addicting, there wouldn't be a person on this planet that has access to these foods that would have a healthy relationship with them. And I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who don't overeat, who say no to foods that they love simply because they're not hungry at that moment. They can have a bite and walk away and there's no drama about it. But they must also have stress, right? They must also have bad days. It's clearly not as simple as food just tastes too good. It has to be deeper than that. So why did you create this connection? And there are other people out there eating the same foods that you are, and they did not. It's that question in people's minds that bring a lot of frustration and shame about the overeating. And that's why we need to acknowledge that there's another side of this coin, and it varies a little bit from person to person. And to find the other side of your individual story, you have to look to the past. Here are a few examples for you. Well, 
Hate to blame your parents, but sometimes an unhealthy reliance on food for emotional coping is what was modeled to you. If you grew up in a house where you observed or was invited to participate in an emotional numbing with food, sweets, and treats, then it would be normal, or at least expected, that you would do that today. Food scarcity is another. If you grew up in a household where resources were limited or your only access to these foods were in secret or during very special circumstances, and the memory of those special circumstances connected to the food created a desire to repeat that feeling, it would, again, be expected that you wanted to feel celebrated or special or happy, and you would repeat what you learned made you happy when you were younger. It may even reinforce a secret eating habit if you had to hide this behavior or only do it when you were at a friend's house, or you had to put some aside for you because siblings or other people would eat your share. Maybe it was just a coincidence. Maybe you happen to build this connection by accident. Subconsciously, you notice that eating certain foods in a certain way changed the way that you felt. And when you were upset or frustrated, that's when it happened. And under the radar, your brain connected those dots. The reason this happens is complex, but the most prevalent mechanism here is the power of habit. Because your brain does things on autopilot every day and you learn new things all the time, it's the most efficient way for you to operate. And so when there is a big emotion attached to behavior and that behavior has a payoff, your brain pays attention. It filters out a lot of useless to you information and strengthens what would be seemingly helpful and effective so that you can repeat it the next time with less decision-making power required. That's how habits are formed and why they're difficult to break. Because we really have to pay attention and back our new behaviors with the emotion that says this really matters to me and I want you to remember it. So when we're trying to do something new, when we're trying to do something that would serve us in a better way, we have to be able to really cultivate some emotion behind it for our brain to say, hey, this is not useless information. It really matters to her. I should pay attention. And last, but certainly, certainly, certainly not least, you have a dieting history. You've put many of these foods in the bad food category. You restricted them. You feel guilty for eating them. And when your energy is high and your decision-making power is at its best, you may easily avoid them. When you're highly motivated by a pain point, like stepping on the scale, seeing a photo of yourself that you didn't like, or busting out of your last pair of jeans, it was an easy no for you. Because those big, heavy emotions were dangerous in that moment, more dangerous than anything else. But when your willpower is exhausted and you've changed your 27th diaper of the day and your boss is being a dick as per usual and someone has the nerve to ask what's for dinner, it's a whole hell of a lot harder to give a shit about your gene size in that moment. When you go on vacation and you see everyone else eating and drinking, when you're mentally counting calories and you're balling your fists in struggle trying not to eat, it's a lot harder to keep on pushing things away that you used to really enjoy. And so when the dam finally breaks, and it almost always does for almost every person, one bite turns into two, turns into three, turns into 10, turns into a gut-busting food fest. And honestly, maybe you would have thought it was okay if it had ended there, but it doesn't. Now you've already started something new. You've already started to feel like a failure. You begin justifying, making excuses. You swear you'll start over when you get home, but then there's the unpacking to do and the laundry and all these other things that get in the way. 
and you just can't muster up that same energy that you got started with in the first place. And I get it because I've been there. So when the weight comes piling back on and you begin to get frustrated that all your hard work is lost and the natural connection in your mind is, I'm addicted to these foods. I just can't stop eating them. I love food too much and it just feels too hard. All that baggage is what reinforces the belief that once you start, you just can't stop. But that isn't the truth at all. Whether your dieting practices were unsustainable and unrealistic for you and your preferences, or you want to blame it on your mama, or you just kind of fell into the ice cream and couldn't swim your way out, the result is the same. You've created a false connection, and that connection can be broken without giving up the foods you enjoy. It really can. There may be food that you want to eat more often or less for various reasons, and I'm not trying to have donuts every day for breakfast personally because I know they don't sustain me or give me the energy that I need to take on the day in a way that would make me proud, but I can have a donut and I can stop. If you haven't listened to the episode that I did on Entitled Indulgence, that would be a really good one for you to revisit if this is something that you struggle with. Because once you start to understand that food doesn't actually control you and it doesn't actually have these magical powers and you start bringing them back in, you may find the pendulum swings the other way and you continue to struggle and figure out how to find the right balance for you. You're allowed to want different for yourself. You're allowed to want to improve yourself. It's up to you to decide what feels good, healthy, and in alignment with your values. But something I know for sure is that food labels, meaning good food, bad food labels, heavy restriction, trying to force yourself into compliance, it's very closely tied to weight gain and not weight loss. The fastest track to watching the scale go up every year is to just keep on dieting, keep on restricting, and force yourself to give it all up again and again. The research is there. It backs me up. So maybe you want to do something different. Maybe you're ready to stop thinking in terms of all or nothing and start living in the gray. Maybe you want some power and autonomy over your food choices and you want to change in a way that feels like love, that feels like being kind. I'm not saying that a free-for-all is going to get you any kind of result that you're proud of. It's not. You already know that shit doesn't work either. But as a grown-ass adult, you know how to make decisions. You know how to think on purpose. You know how to weigh your options in your mind and choose. You do it every day, many times a day, but it is work. And if you're thinking right now that it's work you shouldn't have to do, you're right. And you don't have to do it. But that is a choice too. Feeling ashamed for needing to work on something that many are saying should just be intuitive is something that is going to get in your way. That shame is stopping you. I actually don't believe that eating is intuitive for most people. Not anymore. I think that people with healthy relationships with food eat with intention. They still make food decisions, maybe a little bit easier. They may have fewer mental and emotional barriers to the side, but this is not a mindless thing. But hey, that is another podcast for another day. All right, if you want to learn more, about how to overcome your food challenges in a way that gives you your power back, in a way that doesn't give dieting the power to assign rules to you, that doesn't rely on you having a healthy model from your parents, that helps you understand and untangle your psychological connections to why you eat the way you eat when you're eating and how to stop them, how to change them, then I'm going to invite you to register for the three pillars of successful weight loss workshop. Leslie, Laura, and myself 
are going to be hosting this where we are going to give you actual ways to address your inner psychology, create new habits, break the old ones, and how at the end of all of that work to have a healthy relationship with food and your body that allows you to feel like you are at home in it. Does that sound okay to you? If so, head to the show notes, click the link that says register for the three pillars of successful weight loss workshop. That's a mouthful, my goodness. And you will get all the information you need in order to just show up, hang out with us and start your journey. Cool. All right, my friend, that is all I have for you today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, tag me, let me come and say hello. I would love for you to leave a rating and review. It helps me so much more than you know. And if you have any questions or thoughts on this episode, ideas for episodes in the future, something you would like me to take on for you, don't hesitate to reach out. All that information is in the show notes. Shoot me a message, drop it in my inbox. It's always open for you. All right. Bye.